wherever we stand, we arrive here through our own thoughts and our own thought processes. And your thoughts are not my thoughts. And we do not have to stand on the same place. We don't have to do the same things. We don't have to arrive at the same conclusions. But wouldn't it be nice if we could at least discuss how we got here? Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 63 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. So today we're going to pick up where we left off on Friday and we're going to be talking about ethical eating and choices and raising ethical meat and different ways of eating ethically both from an animal welfare point of view but also from a sustainability point of view. I want to start off with a couple of caveats. One is a continuation of Fridays which is to say that there is nothing about me that is judging anyone else for their choices. So I'm not in judgment of you if you eat a lot of meat that you buy in a supermarket. I'm not in judgment of you if you are a vegan. I am not trying to preach to anyone. I'm just having a conversation. I'm talking about what I do, why I do it, and how I got there. And I just think it would be great if we could all just engage that little bit more with the choices that we're making. So that's the first caveat. And the second one is to say that I am recording this directly after I recorded part one. So if there's been lots of feedback so far, uh, I haven't seen it yet. So parts one and two should be seen as a collective. And then if there is lots of feedback and lots of people have opinions, then rest assured that they will arrive at the show they're just not here yet. So a little bit of time travel going on. So we spoke in the last episode predominantly about some big picture stuff around animal welfare and things like that. So today we're going to talk about some more individual topics within that thought process, within that idea, or in the same ballpark, but all sorts of different things within it. So we're going to start off with dairy and byproducts. So one of the things to just have in your mind is that there's a lot more to producing the food that we eat than just the end product that ends up on our table. So dairy is one example of this. To create the milk that is in our supermarkets, there has to have been an animal that has been bred and given offspring. There are implications to this that we should be aware of. So generally, the factory farming method of producing milk from cows would be that the cow is bred and then the young calf is removed from its mother at a very early age. And that calf is either a female and likely raised to become part of the milking herd if the sire, the, the bull, was also a milking breed or... In most cases, that 
offspring would have been either bred with a bull that was a beef breed and it would be raised for beef or it would be bred with a milking breed bull but it's come out another male so it has no use on the farm and it could then still be bred on as beef or it could be culled. There's lots and lots of different practices around this and I don't pretend to be an expert in all the different options and how things are done but that's kind of my point. My point is I'm not an expert and most people aren't because we can't be an expert in everything but I do know enough to know that there will be lots of byproducts that we are not always thinking about when we're buying our milk. Now that's not to say that on some small farms and even some larger farms these animals might not be given a great life and brought on and be ethically culled and turned into meat and I've got no issue with that whatsoever. If you're going to eat any meat, particularly in the UK, and again this will vary from country to country, but if you're going to eat any meat that is produced in a factory farming system or it's not really factory farming but in you know from the supermarket shall we say beef is among one of the better ones insofar as animal welfare is concerned at least here in the UK it's definitely worth doing some research if this is an area within which you are going to be commercially active then it's definitely worth doing a little bit of research on what's the best choices are where you are. We have all sorts of assurances in the UK. For instance, every single abattoir must have a vet as part of the systems there to make sure that the animals are cared for. Generally speaking, because we have so much wet grassland here in the UK, most beef cattle, almost all beef cattle is actually grass fed. So there are lots of ethical concerns that in the UK with beef are alleviated to some degree now personally we don't need to buy any meat but if we were going to be buying meat for our family from the supermarket beef is definitely one of the meats that I would buy if I had to it's certainly better than a lot of others in terms of the ethical raising of the animal is concerned but there's also other things to be concerned about with beef and that is some of the emissions the emissions that come from carbon dioxide through how they digest their food and it's actually burping a lot of people think that it's farting but it's actually burping is where the methane comes from and this is part of how the animal eats it's got four stomachs so as it eats it actually ferments the food as it eats and that byproduct of the fermentation is what releases the greenhouse gases so there are certainly a lot of things you could say about the sustainability of the amount of beef farming that we do so it's just another reason to maybe try and reduce the amount of beef and dairy and beef milk that we actually consume now goats actually produce less methane as well so we here obviously use our goats to produce milk and you can produce goat's milk and have your own goats on a much smaller piece of land than you need for a cow. So in terms of producing your own food and becoming self-sufficient, it's definitely something that I would advocate. Now, our goats, as you've probably seen if you've seen our YouTube channel, I think they have 
a lovely existence. They do not dislike being milked. We don't intensively milk them. We don't maximise our yields from them. They have a very low stress life and I believe, I genuinely believe, they enjoy all the interaction I have with them, whether that's at milking time or otherwise. I don't think they're ever under any stress and for me that we are getting perfectly ethical milk and dairy from them. So obviously not everyone is in a position to have a herd of goats in their garden, but if you are, you should do it. And even if you're not, you can probably find someone that does or that could. And again, you can form some kind of cooperative because one or two goats could produce enough milk for more than one family quite comfortably if you were doing everything right. So you don't need to do it yourself either. You can actually buy goat milk and find it elsewhere from farm shops and places like that. Now, speaking of farm shops, the next thing to think about is buying local. You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. There are so many ways that buying local can help you to make more ethical decisions. First and foremost, the large factory farms that produce things like chickens on a massive scale, and you know they're possibly the worst culprits for animal welfare, they're not going to be selling locally. They're going to be selling to huge supply chains that ultimately service our supermarkets and places like that. And this idea extrapolates out across not only farming, but every sector really, that the larger producers of anything need larger distribution chains. So they end up in supermarkets and places like that. So by buying locally from farm shops and roadside stalls and places like that, already you're going to be discounting all of those larger factory farms. But it does more than that. It also is going to reduce food miles and it's going to reconnect you to where your food comes from. That When I say buying local, I'm talking locally, obviously, in terms of miles from where you live, but I'm also talking locally about closer to the source. So the fewer steps that any food has taken in that food chain, the not the food chain, the supply chain, sorry, the fewer steps it's taken in that supply chain to get from wherever it was produced and made to your plate, the more likely you are to be connected to the production of it and you're going to be aware of how it was produced and you're going to be supporting the people that are producing it in that way. Now, you might be surprised to know that I can actually buy some meat. I can buy locally produced meat from people who are raising four or five animals a year 
keeping two and selling the other two as part of paying for the process, I can buy that meat at very, very little cost higher than you could buy it in the supermarket. And what that little extra cost gets me is it gets me all that accountability, not only for myself, but for knowing that the people that I'm buying it from are doing everything right, because I get to ask the actual questions or I get to see it in the field. And a side benefit of this is forming local connections with like-minded people. So buying locally makes a huge difference, makes a huge difference. And it also contributes to your local economy. So there's so many benefits of doing this. It's got to be worth doing. The next topic, and I'm going to be flying all over the place here because there's so many different things I want to hit on. But the next topic is organic food. And this is linked to buying locally in a way that might surprise you. Now, personally, we don't, if we're going to buy meat, we don't look for organic meat. There are going to be lots of people who have lots of different thoughts on this. But when I'm buying meat, I want to really know as much as possible about the welfare standards of the animal. And whether or not it's organic is far less important to me now that doesn't mean that I want them injected with hormones and things like that but I find that there is a huge correlation between an animal being injected with hormones and factory farming and the more you move away from factory farming and the smaller scale on which someone farms the less likely you're going to run into practices like that but there's another key thing and that became clear to me in abundance when we started raising and looking after larger animals we had a very very poorly goat when we had been looking after goats for only a few months and one of the things that the vet did was administer some antibiotics to that goat to help it get over the infection now just a month ago we were administering antibiotics to my son. I would hate to think of an animal suffering because they were not in a position to receive the treatment that we would choose to give them and the treatment we would choose to give members of our own family because we can't afford to do that because it will forsake our ability to put an organic sticker on the produce at the end of the day. To me, there is something wholly broken about that system. Now, the organic farming movement is, I would suggest, definitely well-meaning. And it is definitely a result of some positive pressure that we as consumers have put on the marketplace. But I think that the system is broken in quite a number of ways. This is just one of them. I just think that for an organically certified farm to be in a position where they can't make the best ethical decisions for their animals for fear of risking the organic certification, to me, that, that, that there's, no, there's no counter argument to that. That's just wrong. There must be another way of doing it. There must be a better way of doing it. So we also have a relationship with a locally or locally owned fruit and vegetable shop and when they first started they used to be organic however 
we spoke to them about maybe having some of our produce there and we mentioned you know we're not organic and we've got no desire to be because the cost for someone like myself who's just selling their excess produce the cost of becoming organically certified because it's basically like a trademark term you can't use it unless you pay basically to be part of the scheme and that payment comes in lots of different forms i'm not saying you pay for the sticker you just pay a fee and you become organically certified i'm not saying that at all but i'm also not saying that it's cheap because it's not it it just means that it rules us out and they said to us that it's far more important to them and they're no longer stating themselves as an organic fruit and veg shop they do sell a lot of organic produce but they say that it's far more important to them that their food is produced sustainably ethically and locally than it is organic and I certainly feel the same way so it's just something to bear in mind when you're thinking about what organic food means particularly when talking about meat is that there's probably more to it than most people are considering most of the time It's really easy for you to get in touch with us. You can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message. You can send us a voice message just using your phone. You could also reach out to us on Facebook where we have the Self Sufficient Hub group and the Self Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. Next up, we're going to talk about chickens. We're going to talk about chicken meat. We're going to talk about chicken eggs. There's so much variety out there insofar as how chickens are cared for. And unfortunately, 99% of the eggs produced for consumption fall way over on the wrong end of the spectrum as far as I'm concerned. So... One thing that I would definitely suggest to everybody that purchases eggs from a shop is to do your research. Just spend 10 minutes, that's all it will take, to learn what the terms actually mean. What does free range mean? What does barn hens mean? Most places have done away with caged hens now, but the welfare standards haven't really increased all that much and I'm speaking from experience so we rescue some battery hens we rescue some every single year and we go and collect them sometimes from the actual farms now they're not called battery hens anymore I mean we still call them they're colloquially called battery hens but strictly speaking they could well be free-range hens but I can tell you from experience that the state of the hens has not really improved despite the alleged improvements in welfare standards well there are improvements in welfare standards but they're they're not anything like most people would think that they are so a free-range hen may never ever 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 go outside in its life all free-range means is that they have access to the outside now this is not to say that some places aren't doing things right some places absolutely are but what is important is that you do your research so if it's important to you that your hens that have laid your eggs are living 
a comfortable existence. It's important that you know what it is you need to find on the box of your eggs that is going to qualify for that. I don't want anyone to be under any illusions that they're doing one thing when they're actually doing another. And this isn't about judgment and it's not about telling everyone that they should do what I do. It's about awareness. And I think it's really important that we make conscious decisions based on the evidence and the facts. So do your own research and find out what all of those little symbols on that box of eggs that you bought from the supermarket mean, what they actually mean. So when I go and collect our hens that we're rescuing, they're about 18 months old. That is the point at which a factory farming egg laying system will deem them not worth maintaining, not worth the cost of keeping. They're taking up too much space that could be replaced with a more productive bird, a younger bird. So they've hardly have a life at all. And when we get them home, they're going to live anything from three to five years is the average I would suggest beyond that and they will also deliver us some eggs through that period but when they're here we're here to look after them and the eggs are a bonus a bonus byproduct and that really is how chickens can be you can have chickens we, we've bought some chickens which are the identical breed that they would have in the factory farming system but we've bought them as very young birds and we've had them here for their whole lives and obviously they're going to deliver a much higher return on investment and that's brilliant but I'm saying even if you only invest in the X working hens if you like they're still going to deliver a return on your investment and they're going to pay for themselves guaranteed so I encourage everybody to do that we rescue probably 20 birds a year something like that sometimes more very rarely less and it's something I encourage everyone to do because otherwise they're all going to be turned into things like animal feed and while I have no ethical qualms with in a vacuum some animals being raised to be turned into food I've got no ethical qualms with that I I hate the idea of an animal having an abhorrent existence and then it ending and that's all they've ever known I think it's important that an animal has a net positive life i.e that it was far better for the animal to have lived whatever life it had and had whatever end it had than not to have lived at all and I think sometimes when their entire existence is in crammed conditions with other chickens that are virtually pecking them to death and air pollution and just conditions that you wouldn't want to spend more than one minute in and then that's all they've known and then they die I just don't think that's acceptable so I try and do my bit to help that when it comes to meat birds the same applies almost every piece of chicken breast meat that you find in the supermarket is going to be a broiler hen that has been just bred by humans to have certain characteristics so it's going to have had been been subjected to such selective breeding to grow really fast and grow really big breasts for that breast meat literally when they're just a few weeks old their legs can't support the weight of their bodies to me it's just an obscene practice and 
personally i don't think these chickens should exist i don't think they should be bred i can't see how they can have a morally acceptable life i don't i, I just i feel so conflicted on this i just i just don't think it's something that should be done so cornish cobs are the main breed that I'm thinking about when I'm talking of this and it's not something that I've bred myself and I am happy very happy to be corrected on it if there's anyone out there that has bred Cornish cobs and there's a way of doing it that means that you get the benefits of this bird that is also giving the bird a good life then please do get in touch and tell me but I just I, I, I don't personally I can't bring myself to finding that an acceptable process in this day and age but like I say I'm on every point I make not just this one I am fully prepared to be corrected on it by people who know more than I do you can find self-sufficient hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places we have a youtube channel we also have our website and now there's our facebook page and facebook group Links to all of these you can find in the show notes. Come check us out. Okay, last few points on this. I want to talk about fishing. Fishing is something that I certainly do. And I think in terms of sustainability, line caught fish are definitely a far more sustainable way of eating fish than by using trawler nets that's not to say that the animal does not experience some discomfort but all I do is I try and mitigate that discomfort as best I can so every single animal that I fish for I'm targeting animals that I'm going to eat uh, very rarely do I get bycatch I'm talking about sustainable types of fish for instance mackerel is one of the main fish that I fish for and I'm going to dispatch that animal the second that I land them. I think there's lots of farmed fish that have all sorts of environmentally damaging practices around the farming of them, salmon being among them. And then there are lots of fish stocks in the wild that have been depleted through overfishing, things like cod. So when it comes to making choices about fish my thought process is simply avoid animals that have been overfished and that don't have sustainable stocks avoid animals that are farmed through unsustainable practices or practices that cause problems to the wild stocks such as salmon and line caught fish is certainly more sustainable than any, any other method and I will be honest and say pretty much all the fish I eat anyway is line caught by myself. I do occasionally have some other things, but generally speaking, I tend to eat the fish that I catch myself. And that includes things like crayfish and other seafood, mollusks and stuff like that. And when it comes to mollusks, I do a lot of foraging for mussels and things like that i've got a video on the youtube website teaching you how to find and forage mussels and how to do so safely but mussels don't have a central nervous system so they don't feel pain in the same way you and me do certainly not in the same way me and you do that doesn't mean that they do not feel pain at all but 
the lack of a central nervous system is certainly something that would lead me to assume that it is far more ethical to use mollusks for meat than a lot of other animals. So I just think there's another whole line of inquiry there for discussion when it comes to killing animals, if you're going to talk about foraged mollusks. So the, that's kind of, I've touched on everything that I've wanted to touch on, and I don't think that this is something that will ever go away. I think that reconnecting with where our food comes from is a huge part of what I'm doing generally, and it's growing the food that we eat, as well as raising the meat that we eat. And I just think the more of that you can do, on whatever scale you can do it, in whatever way you can connect, just make a few small steps eat seasonably, eat locally, support your local farmers that are growing in an ethical way, talk about it, come to your own conclusions, certainly, certainly don't follow what I'm doing because I'm doing it, it would be great if you followed what I'm doing because you listened to my thought process and how I arrived at the decisions I did and you've decided that 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 works for you too, excellent, but come to your own conclusions. Again, I'll say I'm not judging anyone. Absolutely not. And I'm certainly not saying that veganism is wrong. Absolutely not. Again, you know, there's a lot to be said for some of the choices that lead to a vegan diet. I'm just talking about why I do what I do. So hopefully you've heard at least something in there that perhaps you hadn't thought about and it's opened up that thought process for yourself again do get in touch leave me feedback let me know if there's anything you think I've got wrong or that I've missed or that I should have added or that you would like to say on the subject and I guarantee that any feedback on this subject will make its way to the show now I'm aware that I've predominantly talked about raising animals and meat and that side of ethical eating and there's a whole other side which I have mentioned but I haven't really dug down into and that is sustainability I just think that this is enough for now. I've bitten off quite a lot here and I think I'll chew on it for a little bit and we'll come back with another episode about sustainability. And there's a lot more to that and that includes crops as well as animals. Anyway, thank you ever so much for listening and I will speak to you next time. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon. Thank you.